Jeff Tun is honest and direct when he says nobody grows up wanting to be a CIO. If you ask Jeff, he'll say he wanted to be a rock star, touring the back roads of the country in a van, playing gigs on weeknights. That was always the plan, until an impulse purchase of a Commodore 64 changed Jeff's path forever. Jeff is now a multi-time CIO, currently serving as an IT strategy advisor at Intervision and the founder of Ton Enterprises, and he joined IT Visionaries to take us through his journey. On this episode, Jeff provides insights into the role of the CIO, and he divulges some of the key questions current CIOs are trying to find answers to, including those surrounding diversity. Enjoy this episode. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com platform. This podcast is created by the team at mission.org. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, host of IT Visionaries. And today we are joined by special guest, Jeff, what's going on? Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, great to uh, great to have you. So we're going to get into um, a bunch of the things that you're working on, talking IT. Uh, we're going to talk about your latest uh, book a little bit, You know how the role of the CIO is changing, and your background. So let's get into it. How did you get started in technology? Th- that's a great question. I, I, I kind of got into it by accident. Um, I was... Uh, really not sure what I wanted to be, what I wanted to do. The The only thing I ever wanted to do when I was a kid was uh, be a rock star. I was going to, you know, write the next great rock ballad and uh, blaze into glory and uh, found out that you have to have talent for that. And I didn't. Um, and so I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I was uh, actually working for a bank as a bill collector uh, and on a on a lark, I bought this uh, new thing that just got released. It was a Commodore 64, and I fell in love with that Commodore 64. I learned that I could program it and make it do all kinds of uh, neat and amazing things, and I just got consumed by computers, computer programming, and at the time I was, uh, my commute was about 45 minutes to an hour by bus each way. And I was just consuming textbooks on PL1 programming, IMS databases, uh, system development life cycle, database theory and design, everything I could get my hands on. And, uh, finally uh, worked my way at the bank where I was working, worked my way into what at that time it was called uh, the IS department, information systems department, uh, and became a programmer. And the, the rest, as they say, is history. It's so funny how many people got their start on the Commodore. <laughs> I know, uh, I know. <laughs> yeah, we hear it. We hear it more often uh, than, uh, than you'd think. It's pretty uh, pretty amazing. Well, I, I wrote this series of blogs for Intel. Uh, this was, gosh, probably four or five years ago now. It was called The, the Path to CIO. And the, the premise was no kid ever sits around dreaming of growing up to be a CIO one day, right? Yet we all end up there. So how did it happen? How did we end up as CIOs? And 
almost to a person of the 12 people I interviewed for that, almost every single one of them got their start on a Commodore 64. What a world. Yeah. 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 Anecdotally, I definitely uh, I feel like we've seen that as well. <laughs> so, so flash forward to today. Tell me, uh, tell me what you're up to now. Uh, so now I am, uh, I'm out on my own. I uh, am a strategic IT advisor as well as an author and a speaker. Uh, and so I, I host podcasts, I do webinars, write books, I write blogs, all about, uh, for the most part, about technology, about leadership, um, specifically technology leadership, and trying to, my, my motto, I guess, uh, the best way to describe it is changing the face of IT, because I think the leadership skills that got us here over the last 50 or 60 years of technology are not the same skills that businesses demand today, nor are they the skills that are going to take our departments and our companies into the future. Yeah, so let's get into that. You know, what are you seeing? You've been a CIO, you've been a head of technology. What are some of the things that you're seeing that is required for CIOs today? Well, I think one of the biggest changes that that I've seen and will continue to see, I believe, is that you have to have much deeper business acumen. And that goes beyond the the decimal points. It goes beyond the P&L and the balance sheet to understanding the business, understanding how the business makes money and really understanding the business's customers and then bringing technology to help solve problems uh, and advance uh, the goals of the organization rather than sitting in the back room trying to uh, trying to automate uh, and create more productivity through automation. Uh, automation is important, but now it's all about the customer experience and about what's going on at that end of the business. And I think that's probably been the biggest shift. And one of the things that that I think we're going to start seeing is a lot more uh, verticalization of technology roles. It, it used to be, and it still is pretty much the case right now, that when you talk to an IT pro uh, and ask them what they do, they say, well, I'm, I'm in tech or I'm a coder or uh, whatever it might be. They don't say, well, I'm in manufacturing or I'm in uh, uh, FinServe, or I'm in uh, FinTech. So they're not identifying with the vertical that their organization is in. And I think over more and more, as you get more embedded in the organization, you're going to end up becoming verticalized. People are going to want to hire technology professionals that have experience in their industry because it's going to be so important for them to be able to differentiate against their competition that they need that that deep deep business acumen. So I think that's the number one thing that I think we're going to that we're going to see. I th- I think in addition to that the old stereotypes of the IT pro that sits in the back room and doesn't really get out and talk much with his coworkers. Uh, I think we're going to see that they have to be more collaborative they have to be more communicative within the organization and without. And I, I think uh, one of the other things, and I know we're going to touch on this uh, uh, today, is uh, IT needs to be more diverse. We need gender diversity. We need racial diversity, diversity of thought throughout our teams uh, in order to meet the business demands. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think a lot of the, you know, a lot of the CIOs that we see that are the, the best in class 
are the folks who are really dialed in on the business problems, yeah. but also are figuring out ways to embed technology into their products and services, right? Like exactly. are, are closer to the actual business model or closer to the market than they were in the past. And a lot of the traditional IT functions, you know, they figure out ways to replace them, right? Or to automate them or to, uh, you know, to, to make it seamless so that that part of the, you know, the KTLO, you know, that keep the lights on yeah, yeah. part of the business is, is just, is gone. You know, it's like, yep. Okay. Lights are on now. what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but I think a lot of people struggle to like get that seat at the table. Like, what do you think the, the best folks are doing? Well, I, I think they are interested in the business. And I think the men and women that get that seat at the table have embedded themselves in the business. It's, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I used to do when I, I was CIO was I would go spend the day with business leaders. I was working for um, a large nonprofit with, that had retail stores, and I would visit the retail stores with our vice president of retail, because what that enabled me to do is see the business through his eyes. What things were important to him? What was he looking at? What things caught his attention as he walked through a, a, a store? And that enabled me to begin to understand how what role our technology played in. You know, at the same organization, we would take time, our, our, the IT department would take time to volunteer in the stores and just help and work in the stores uh, a, a couple of days a year. Again, it gives you that experience, that walking a mile in their shoes, but it shows you how they interact with the technology and what things are working and maybe what things could be done better, uh, both for the employee and for the customer that's experienced the, te the technology. So as you're working with CIOs and IT leaders now, like what are, what are you hearing them concerned about? What are the things that they're worried about? Well, I mean, we've got the, we, we, we've obviously got the first half of 2020 and, and that is on everybody's mind right now. The shelter in place, the work from home, uh, what's it going to mean to return to work? Uh, we've got the racial tensions in uh, many of our communities. So we're trying to check in on our teams there. So, so the, those, uh, top of mind items right now are really centered around those. When you start to peel back the layers of that a little bit, one of the things that's top of mind, and it's always top of mind for the CIO, is security. Uh, how are we going to keep things secure? How are we going to keep things secure in a work from home environment where now all of a sudden your network, your perimeter has extended into uh, people's homes uh, where perhaps it wasn't there before, and how do you make sure that you're still running that same level of security with that same level of confidence that you did before? And so I think that's on the top of everybody's mind. Uh, I, I think one of the other things that that I hear a, a lot of CIOs here in the Midwest uh, talking about is getting that seat at the table. How do you get there? How do you uh, make sure that the the colleagues in the in the business are understanding technology, but also seeing where it can benefit. So they spend we spend a lot of time having those types of conversations, uh, and and then I th the the third piece that um, I I'm going to be really interested to see how this plays out in the second half is retaining talent. People have worked really really hard to build strong teams. 
And I think we're going to start to see a lot of movement in the IT space in the third and fourth quarter, probably closer to the fourth quarter uh, than the third. But I think uh, ramifications and fallout from uh, what's happened in the first half of the year, I think we're going to see a lot of movement. So I think uh, CIOs are concerned about keeping their teams intact and making sure uh, that their teams are, are executing at a high level. You mentioned diversity, obviously a huge problem in technology companies, but a huge problem in IT organizations in, in any company. Yes. Um, what are some of the things that you've seen as best practices for folks to build a more diverse team? Well, I think what it boils down to is being intentional. Uh, you have to go where the diverse candidates are, uh, whether that's um, a women in, in IT group that's in your local area, or perhaps it's the Black Data Processing Association. There's various groups that bring people of diverse backgrounds together. And if you're looking there for your candidate pool, you're going to start to be diverse. And, and I think the other part of it that plays along with the intentionality is you have to be intentional about hiring a diverse candidate. A, a good friend of mine, a CIO for one of the airlines that's located uh, here in town, uh, had an opening on his, uh, as a, a part of his direct team, one of his direct reports. And he spent a, a couple of months uh, finding that, filling that position because he was adamant he wanted a diverse candidate to join his group. And so he took the time, he, he, he was patient, and he found the right person. And I think that's the key to creating diversity is going where the diverse candidates are. Were there things that you would do, you know, as a CIO that made sure that you spent a certain amount of your time or your team's time to, to try to figure stuff like that out? We were always talking about those types of, of things within our organization. And it was um, part of our uh, annual meeting, part of, part of our strategy session that we would get together uh, as a team and talk about uh, where we were in, in terms of uh, gender diversity, uh, ethnic diversity, racial diversity, and talk about who knew who in what areas so that we could make those connections when we had the opening. So we were, we were very intentional about it. I wouldn't say we were perfect, far from it, but I think we made some pretty good strides. We always tried to be uh, open and welcoming to all kinds of of thought. We had a couple of gentlemen on our team that were uh, Muslim, and we made sure that they had an opportunity for their their daily prayers and a space for their daily prayers uh, where they could uh, have some privacy and do that. Um, and we also, as a team, we would celebrate the end of Ramadan with them. Uh, Ramadan is traditionally, if I remember correctly, is traditionally uh, celebrated with a large meal. And so we would have, uh, we would go out to eat uh, after Ramadan as a team to help celebrate that event in their world. And that starts to make it be not only a diverse team, but an inclusive team. And I think that's the other part of diversity is you have to make sure that all the voices are being heard. And if all the voices aren't speaking up, you have to draw that out of them. You have to make sure that they're raising their voice and, and sharing their opinions, sharing their thoughts, and that they feel safe and comfortable doing so. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, um, 
you know, from my experience, just don't know where to start, right? And there's like lots of organizations that if you don't know where to start or or you're worried about, you know, X, Y, and Z, there's there's organizations that you can go to help like Tech Inclusion or places like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what matters is, you know, like talking to your employees and and starting the dialogue and starting the conversation and not being, you know, afraid to talk about, you know, all of those sort of things. Mm-hmm. And, and again, like making an effort, you, you yeah. have to, you have to put resources behind it. Um, and like you said, it's, it's not just diversity of, you know, race or religion, but diversity of thought of, you know, like if you're in central Ohio and you only, uh, you know, recruit from two schools near you, well, of course you're going to do that because those are the ones near you. But right. also, you know, there's, especially with, you know, so many people working from home now and figuring out remote workforce, there's all sorts of things that, will be options in the future. And, uh, and not only that, you need to help your business units, you know, the line of business owners figure out how they can leverage technology to do those sort of things as well. Exactly. Exactly. There's, there's a great book uh, because we, we tend to hire from within our networks, right? Um, 87% of jobs I think are filled through your professional network. And so we tend to hire from within our network. And if you look at your network and, you know, I'm an old white guy from Indiana. If I look at my network and it's a bunch of old white guys from Indiana, that's, that's who I'm going to be talking to. And that's who I'm going to be drawing from. So there's a great book called Network Beyond Bias. And it's how to build your network intentionally to bring in diverse people into your network uh, and talk to them, work with them, have them be a part of your professional insights, uh, your professional studies. And it really takes networking to a whole new level. You are a contributing member of the Forbes Technology Council, and you've written a few really good articles on there. One of them being um, four conversations to have uh, in your first 30 days as CIO. I'm curious, you know, what are the things that CIOs should do in their first uh, 30 days? Or if you're interviewing to be a CIO, what can you put forward as your plan of what you're going to be doing in the first, you know, 30, 60, 90 days? Well, it was, it was funny that that article was originally titled uh, three conversations that, that you should have in your first uh, uh, 30 days. And, and I added in what well, you need to have a conversation with yourself. So it became four conversations. And so in that particular post, I talk about having a conversation with yourself, with your teammates, with your peers in the company and with your key vendors so that you begin to understand. But, but I think as you're entering in your first 30 days or 90 days, you have to come in with a plan. It's almost table stakes to have a 90 day plan or a hundred day plan. uh, When you come in at an executive level of here are the things that I think I'm going to be doing in the first 90 days. And I emphasize think because you have to remain open to the fact that you are going to learn a tremendous amount in the first 30 days, in the first 60 days, that's going to require you to adjust your plan. Rarely, I think, would you come in and everything is exactly what you thought it was going to be uh, and, and you're, you're just going to move forward. But I think you have to have an idea of where you're going to start. And I start with those four conversations. of uh, When you're talking to yourself, so to speak, you're understanding your strengths and weaknesses so that you know as you talk to your team where they fit. Are they a complement? Uh, to your strengths and weaknesses, or are they a match to your strengths and weaknesses? And uh, does that leave gaps in your organization that you may need to fill? 
as you're talking with your peers in the company, you're trying to find out from them their perception of IT and what they need from IT. And that can be humbling sometimes because sometimes they don't have a, a great perception of IT and it shows you that you've got an uphill battle uh, to, to go after. Uh, and then as you're talking with your key partners, you're going to need help chances are to uh, make real transformative moves within any organization. You're going to need help from your key partners. So understanding who they are uh, in that organization and what talents they bring, that gives you a really good view of the landscape, I think, of what it is that you've got. You have to know where you are before you can know where you're you're wanting to go. Uh, and so if you spend those time, that time having those conversations up front, you get this really nice picture of, in IT, we call it the as-is, right? We're always talking about the as-is model versus the 2B model. Uh, so you get this nice picture of the as-is so that you can then begin to have a vision for what the 2B is going to be. You wrote a book called Amplify Your Value, Leading IT with Strategic Vision. The CIO obviously becoming more and more of a strategic leader for some companies like, you know, leading the entire technology org for others. Uh, you know, maybe the CTO does that. You know, we here on the show are, are agnostic to what your title is, right. but that head of technology, whether it's internal tech or external tech, but a lot of people are owning that em employee experience or owning th that piece of it. You know, I'm curious, like, why did, why did you write the book and what are some of the things that maybe have changed since you wrote it? Well, I, I wrote the book because I, I was having a conversation with a, a group of CIOs uh, here in the area, and I asked them the question of why, why aren't you more strategic? Why aren't you being more strategic? And I thought I knew the answer. I thought the answer was going to be my organization doesn't want me to be or my organization doesn't let me be strategic. And instead, the answer was, we don't know how. And so what I, what I did in the book was I took lessons that I had learned over two stints of being a CIO, along with uh, interviews of uh, countless other CIOs, and started to put together, what does it mean to lead IT with strategic vision? And you know, it starts with the vision of the company. And uh, I was lucky enough in the organizations in which I was CIO, uh, our company had a pretty strong vision. And so I was able to then uh, work with my team to develop a technology vision that supported that. There are other CIOs, and I even talk about a couple of them in the book, that when they get to their organization, they're, they're new in the role, uh, the, the company doesn't have a strategic vision. They don't really know what they do or can't articulate it. Um, and so there's also some steps in there that you can take to help formulate a vision for the organization because it starts with the company vision and then the technology vision of how can technology further the mission and the vision of the organization. And as you begin to understand that and the constructs that you're operating within, then you begin to do put together various strategies that help you get there. One example that I talk about in the book, and, and uh, this was oh probably six or seven years ago now, was cloud. I mean, at that point, not everybody was, was uh, going cloud. 
there was still a lot of focus on traditional on-premises data centers. Uh, and we opted to use cloud as a strategy, not as a technology play, but our strategy was we wanted to free up our business colleagues not to be tethered to a, a, a desk. So our motto became any device, anytime, any place. And one of the ways that we were able to achieve that was through the advent of cloud and SaaS tools, mobility, and those types of technologies became enablers uh, to to see the strategy. And, and, I, and I think that's uh, part of what I lay out in the book. I think what's changed since the book came out, it came out in 2018. Uh, so it's uh, it's a couple years old, and we were we were talking a little bit about this uh, before we before we started recording, and that is this incredible pace of change that's going on in technology, and so technology has changed. And while the strategies that I talk about in the book, the approach to the strategies hasn't changed, the underlying technologies have changed dramatically. You know, now we're talking about things like uh, Internet of Things and 5G and um, artificial intelligence that is that's that are now becoming real. Uh, and so I still think the book is viable. Uh, I think it teaches you how to look at those technologies and understand which ones of those will help your organization, because that's at the end of the day, that's what you're trying to do. And you may look at it and say, you know, this uh, this IoT uh, space is really interesting, but that really doesn't apply to us. So we're going to kind of leave that one sit for a little bit. But oh my gosh, this this artificial intelligence and and RPA that can do wonders for our business. So let's start really exploring those and bringing those in. So that I, I think that's the change, but also the the. Uh, as things change, they remain the same, right? The strategies and how you approach it, I, I think, are still the same. It's just the underlying technologies uh, and approaches to technologies that perhaps has changed in the last uh, year and a half to two years. So I want to put you on the spot here a little bit and say, you know, you're you're not a you're not a sitting CIO right this second, but if you were, mm -hmm. if tomorrow, you know, we uh, anointed you CIO <laughs> and uh, and you took over an org. Uh, I'm curious, like, how would you go into a role right now? Like, how would you think about structuring your team and, and structuring, you know, those relationships that you talked about, the in-house line of business or like a, your, your internal team, line of business, uh, executive team, and and uh, and then your vendor relationships? Well, I, I think the, the, the first step and where I always default to is uh, research. And I don't mean that in the you're open, you're popping open a textbook and you're, and you're reading, but you're, you're understanding the industry. If I'm, if you're anointing me CIO of an industry, perhaps I don't have direct industry experience in that industry. Uh, so I'm going to research and I'm going to understand what I'm, I'm going to go to LinkedIn. I'm going to go to Twitter. I'm going to go to various social media platforms and find CIOs in that industry and understand what are they talking about? What are they, what problems are they having? What things are on their mind? So even though I, I'm not a sitting CIO, I spend a good deal of my day talking with CIOs and you find that the problems 
that uh, you're dealing with sometimes are different based on the industry, but sometimes they're the same. But you start to formulate an idea of, okay, if I'm walking into Roadrunner Technologies, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that because they're in the traffic light industry, that they're gonna, they've got this set of problems because their competitor at Acme has those kind of problems. And I've talked to their CIO, and I know what types of things she's working on. And so I think that's where I'm going to start my conversations is, hey, I don't know if you're facing this particular problem. Um, but I'd like to understand your views on that problem. And if you are facing it, then let's talk about different ways that I might be able to help our technology department help you solve that problem. So that's that's part of it. And then the, the other part of it, and I, I mentioned this earlier when we were talking about the Forbes article, is getting to know your team. And that work can start before you walk in the door. Uh, LinkedIn is a wonderful platform for understanding uh, who the employees are of a given organization. Start identifying those people that are on that IT team. Who do you know that knows them? Are you connected with them yourself? Can you reach out and talk to them about their views even before you walk in the door so that you're armed with some of that knowledge? So you're spending your first couple of days trying to figure out where the, the water fountain and the restrooms are. Uh, you've already got some foundation of here's the situation and here's some of the challenges that I'm going to be facing walking in the door. Yeah. And do you think you know, with your, with the vendor relationships, like how would you look at building a, you know, the technology, uh, whatever you want to call it, expansion team or mm -hmm. the, you know, the folks that are constantly looking for new technologies that are evaluating new things, you know, how would you look at like the innovation cell for lack of a better word, like, and those type of projects, like, you know, making those builder buy decisions, things like that. Well, I think that's the that's one of the challenges that a CIO faces all the time is we you mentioned it earlier about the, the keeping the lights on. If you're overwhelmed with the keeping the lights on work, it doesn't leave a lot of time for for innovation. So uh, assuming that you that you're walking into an organization that has some capacity, then I think it's starting to form relationships with the key vendors that you've identified in that space. Uh, I mentioned uh, earlier uh, Internet of Things. So uh, if I'm walking into an industry, I'm in central Indiana, so perhaps it's, it's agriculture because be, believe it or not, IOT is huge in agriculture. Uh, you're starting to see a lot of connected devices even at the family farm. So I'm going to start researching who are the key vendors in that space, whether they're specialized in agriculture, in ag tech, or whether just call it general IoT, identify who they are and start to work with them and start to build relationships with them so that you can be innovative. One of the things that, that I did in the, in the stops that I made as CIO, and I encourage CIOs everywhere uh, to do this, and that is treat your vendors as partners. I was always guilty of saying, I want more partners and fewer vendors. And I had to finally ask myself, what do I mean when I say partner? Uh, because it goes well beyond just the transaction, right? I want to, I, I, there has to be trust, there has to be respect, and you have to build that over time. And that's not going to happen if you don't let 
your vendors in. So one of the things that I started doing, I, I mentioned earlier that I would have an annual offsite with my team uh, and we would do planning for the next year. I started inviting my vendors. The first year that we did it, we invited, I, I couldn't really identify who were uh, quote unquote strategic vendors. So uh, we we just drew a line at a certain dollar amount of spend and said any vendor that we're spending more than X with uh, gets two seats at the table at our strategic planning offsite. So they got to see behind the curtain. Uh, they were seeing our budgets. They were seeing our plans. They were understanding the business challenges. They got to know my team. And over the course of several years, we were then able to identify who the one, who were the vendors that really thought about things strategically. And so we started to stratify those invitations. And even though we may not be spending a huge amount with, with a, a given company, they would get a seat at the table because we knew that they were thinking about issues strategically and they were thinking about us as their customer uh, and what our strategies were. And so we started to form this, this great dialogue uh, over, it was usually a day, day and a half of here are the business challenges that our organization is facing. You already know our technology challenges. How do we start attacking those? How do we start solving those? Uh, and what things can you help us learn and do? Uh, and it created this amazing uh, ecosystem of vendors that uh, cared deeply about our organization. And, and honestly, we cared about their success as well. And I think that's what starts to build those types of partnerships and those types of ecosystems that can help drive innovation uh, because you get this, you get the creative juices going flowing uh, when you're having those kinds of conversations. You're working on uh, another book that's not specifically around IT, but I think has some good lessons for up and coming IT professionals. Can you share a little bit about uh, the book, and then uh, we'll go into some of the some of the lessons here. Absolutely. So the next book it comes out uh, August twenty fourth. Uh, knock on wood, if if everything holds to schedule, uh, is called Amplify Your Job Search strategies for finding your dream job. And while it's not specific to an IT professional, it's, it's more uh, focused on any professional, white collar professional that is looking for uh, something better. They're either in transition uh, because perhaps they were part of a reduction in force due to COVID-19 or, or other circumstances, or they're just struggling where they are. They want a change. And what this book does is it provides a framework of how to build a plan to identify who you are and what you want in a career and a job, and then helps you with some strategies for identifying roles that might fit those needs and companies who have those roles uh, and then it uses a very data-driven, laser-focused approach to networking, uh, professional networking, into those organizations so that you can find and land that next job, that, that dream job that you're looking for. So with regards to IT and technology, obviously things are changing so fast. You know, what you went to school for, what you went to a 
boot camp for or anything like that could could be changing so much um you know over the next few years you know gigantic ecosystems like obviously you know salesforce who's the awesome sponsor of the show but yeah. you know becoming like an admin and all these things are careers that like we didn't even know could have existed so many developer communities and places for uh for talent uh to learn more like what would be your advice um for the skills that you need to build uh if you're an up and coming technology uh, leader I'm going to answer that in a, in a couple of ways and and you mentioned one of the one of the answers of how do you how do you keep up to the question of how do you keep up you you join those networking groups um because I think you're going to see that as a part of those groups you're going to you're going to learn and absorb and uh, continue to grow in your career but I think and we touched on this earlier I would encourage the IT professionals out there who are looking to grow in their career to focus on some of the skills we used to call them soft skills but I think they're essential skills now and those are things that we mentioned earlier collaboration communication um, it's design thinking it's uh, systems thinking, critical thinking, all of those types of skills that when you know those things and you're good at those things, the languages can change or the technology can change and your skills are transferable. You know how to look at a problem and solve a problem. Then it just becomes a matter of learning the syntax of the new language. And I, I know that sounds a, a little trite, but it's true. It was true back in my day. You know, I, I started life as a, as a PL1 programmer and uh, then got a job as a COBOL programmer. Business problems I was trying to solve were similar. And the approach and the logic and the thinking and the design work that I did was pretty much exactly the same. I just needed to learn the new syntax uh, of, of COBOL. The, the same holds true today. So I, that's where I would say the IT pro needs to focus is on some of those skills that then become transferable to other technologies. Do you think that there are you know any technologies or um, or things that you think people should especially be focusing on right now um you know our rpa obviously is hot you know what what other technologies are you excited about should people be focusing on i i think one of the things that has the potential to uh revolutionize uh, a lot of the way we live and work is the is the combination of 5g and internet of things I think that space is going to change the way our cities operate. It's going to change the way we work. It's got the potential to be revolutionary. And so I, I have been watching that space for a year or two uh, and uh, talking with people about what they see coming uh, with that. Uh, and then the other one you touched on a little bit with, with RPA, I think uh, true business use cases for artificial intelligence, those algorithms, machine learning, I think has the ability to, again, change the way we work. I think we're at this interesting time 
that work itself is changing. You touched on it earlier, Ian, when you were talking about uh, the, the keeping the lights on and the automation that has gone uh, into that to all but eliminate the need for it. Well, that's probably on the back end is artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning that's doing that and, and working with that. So I think that's where I would focus uh, attention in the short term, uh, short term being two to three years. Um, and where is that going to fit in whatever industry you happen to be in? The other thing that I'll, that I'll add is, uh, even though I was talking earlier about verticalization of industries, I think it's important for uh, CIOs and senior IT leaders to talk with people from other industries because things that solve a problem in one industry might just solve a problem in your industry if applied differently. We, we had this interesting conversation. I, I run this networking group uh, here in Indianapolis called the Indy CIO Network. It's a, it's a group of about 300 uh, CIOs and senior IT leaders. And we had a conversation back in January. We were talking about taking advantage of the fact that it was 2020 uh, the question that was posed was, okay, it's 2030. What does your industry look like now? Uh, and so we had several of the members that were talking about their specific industries. And what was interesting was the impacts that one industry had on another. A great example was one of, one of our members is uh, in uh, real estate development uh, in industrial space. So think, uh, warehousing and logistics. And what they were talking about was the uh, autonomous vehicles that would enable these warehouses to be built farther and further out from cities because they'd all be automated uh, with robotics and AI and autonomous vehicles. They wouldn't need an employee base uh, for them to operate efficiently. And so they were, he even said, well, we'll just build it in the middle of a cornfield. Well, on the other side of the table is the CIO for one of the leading seed companies uh, in the area. And so I turned to him and asked him, well, what do you think about them building these warehouses in the middle of your fields? And, uh, you know, it, it, it created this interesting exchange between two very different industries that could end up having impacts on each other because of advents of technology. And so I think it's important for IT leaders to have those cross-pollinating discussions with other IT leaders. Okay, let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy. Just like the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience, you can go to salesforce.com slash platform to learn more Salesforce is the best. They've been with us since the beginning of this podcast, the first episode, and we love them. Check them out, salesforce.com slash platform. Lightning round questions. Jeff, yes. are you ready? I am ready. Number one, what app on your phone is the most fun? The app on my phone that is most fun. I tell you, the one that I spend the most uh, time in uh, is uh, LinkedIn. Uh, I don't know that you count that as fun, uh, but I, uh, if you look at it, the one that I spend the most time in is that one. The other one, and this probably gets closer to fun, is my uh, my Sonos system. So uh, my music, I'm a big music guy, and I love uh, uh, I, I love cranking up the Rolling Stones. What habit or hobby have you picked up during shelter in place? 
Um, the habit that I have uh, picked up is uh, going for a walk at lunch. And I don't do it every day, but I never did it when uh, was going to an office every day. It was always you had a lunch meeting to go to, uh, and so I go out and and walk, and it clears my head for the afternoon, helps me to focus, uh, and uh, it's solely because of shelter in place. Do you have a hidden talent or passion? Oh, it's not so hidden, but I love uh, I love Lewis and Clark. In addition to being an IT geek, I'm a history geek. Um, and that's, uh, that's, that's probably my, my passion. I wouldn't say it's a, it's hidden cause everybody knows it by now. Do you have a book or podcast or TV show, uh, that you've been binging recently? Uh, we started watching Longmire. Uh, I'm a big Western fan, uh, as far as the genre goes. And, uh, uh, I know it's been out, I think they're on season six, but, uh, we just discovered it a couple of weeks ago. So we've been watching that. If you weren't in IT, what would you be doing? Oh, if I had talent, I'd be a rock star. I, I love music. I love that creative outlet. Uh, I'd, I'd be doing that. Well, awesome. That's it. That's all we got for today. Uh, awesome. Jeff, any uh, final, final thoughts? Anything to plug? Um, no, I really appreciate the opportunity, Ian. Um, really enjoyed the conversation and uh, hope that uh, the listeners out there got a few tidbits, a few nuggets that, that might help them. Uh, very happy to connect with anybody uh, via LinkedIn or email and uh, look forward to uh, connecting with the audience uh, in that way. Awesome. Thanks again and uh, really appreciate it. Take care. My pleasure. Thank you, Ian. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com platform. <laughs>